0: Okay, we've got reports out of Toronto City Hall, and maybe this is something you've noticed where you live in your city. Uh, We've got some Toronto City councillors pushing, if you will, for a freeze on new cannabis stores. Some believing that we have just too many stores and there just has not been proper planning. Let's welcome in cannabis expert Mitchell Osak, who is the head of Quanta Consulting, the leading provider of strategy and operational consulting services to the Canadian cannabis and psychedelics industry. Mitchell joins us now here on Global News Radio. Hey, Mitchell, good afternoon. Good day, Jeff. All right. uh, Let's start with, uh, first of all, is that true? Is there just too many cannabis stores right now, not only in Toronto, but uh, throughout the province?
1: Um, Categorically, not true. There are too many stores in certain neighborhoods or on certain streets, but in across the province and in particular in Ontario, we still have a lot of room to grow before we get up to what I think is our maximum number of stores.
0: All right. And uh, how many stores do you think until we uh, reach that ceiling? Is, is there kind of a target number from the government?
1: There is not a target number. Um, private enterprise um, and capitalism is at work here. Currently, we have about 1,200 stores in Ontario. Um, My estimates um, believe that we'll get up to about 1,500 to 1,800 stores, after which we'll reach what I consider saturation.
0: All right. And as you mentioned earlier, and this has also been a complaint amongst some city councillors in the city of Toronto, that there just hasn't been a proper planning. There's been a lack of planning here and that there's just too many cannabis stores concentrated in certain areas on certain streets?
1: Well, what happened was... um, When cannabis was legalized, municipalities across Ontario had the right to opt in or opt out at that time. Toronto opted in and Mississauga, as an example, opted out. But with the opt in did not come the ability of the municipality to sanction where each store could be or how many stores could be on on a particular street so what we have now is basically free enterprise where stores as long as they're licensed can open whenever wherever they see a an open location we don't um tell apparel stores how many could be in a neighborhood or tim hortons and so on and i don't believe that we should be telling cannabis stores where they should open the private market and private enterprise will determine how many stores eventually um happen in each location
0: okay is this an example that a stigma still exists despite the fact we're several years down the road now when it comes to cannabis or marijuana legalization because you're absolutely right i mean just look at tim hortons or starbucks of course is the most famous example that uh, people believe on uh, you know uh, four corners of a street there's probably at least five starbucks now <laughs> in certain areas uh is this proof uh that uh, there is still a stigma out there perhaps when it comes to pot and pot shops
1: Yes, absolutely, Jeff. I think, you know, at the the core of it, there still might be a lot of stigma um, associated with this. There could be, you know, some people are very comfortable with a nanny state, you know, kind of control over our lives and telling us what we can do. There's a lot of factors involved. Listen, I'll be very honest, there's about seven cannabis stores um, I live off Avenue Road in North Toronto between Wilson and Eglinton. I'd prefer there were more French bakeries and less cannabis stores, but it is what it is. The reality is, um, in certain markets, there will be a saturation. Not all of those stores will make it. That that will be unfortunate, but this problem will self-correct over the next year or so.
0: OK, is the obvious comparison, Mitchell, is it beer and or liquor stores? And are they regulated or is that even a fair comparison, considering those are uh, still run by uh, g- controlled by government entities where these uh, pod shops, uh, of course, are all, uh, you know, privately owned?
1: Well, I think, Jeff, you just correctly answered your own question. I mean, it is an apples and oranges argument, although both apples and oranges are fruits. Um, The the consumer experience in a LCBO is very different from a cannabis store. They have bigger footprints. It's a government monopoly. It's a completely different uh, can of worms than what you get in a cannabis store right now. But um, we've had maybe 70 or 80, close to 80 years of of alcohol legalization in Ontario. That's been 80 years for various governments to get it right in Ontario. Um, The beer stores are completely different Uh, can of worms because that's controlled by three brewers and they determine where a lot of the stores are going to be and what the formats are going to be and so on and so forth. So cannabis retail in Ontario is all private enterprise. And because of that, we have to live with the ups and downs of private enterprise.
0: Mm -hmm. Also, uh, we should note, of course, a beer and wine sales. uh, They have been uh, extended. Uh, You can get to beer and wine now at the uh, grocery store, the uh, corner store, uh, Uh, you know, in most areas uh, throughout the uh, province. So uh, even though it's not there on the uh, street front, it certainly is more readily available than uh, what you might think or see.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't want to bring this up, because that opens up a whole licensing and regulatory question, which is which is good for another show. The reality is, it takes a long time to get these licenses. takes a lot of capital. takes a lot of due diligence by the government. Um, if we decide to go down that route, which I think is is a practical and a reasonable route to go down. Um, That'll have to open up a whole bunch of new changes in federal as well as provincial government legislation. We will end up getting there, I believe eventually, but it's a walk before you run when it comes to cannabis. And if I'm the government or if I'm in the industry right now, what I'm really looking to do is is the introduction of legal cannabis lounges or the the alcohol equivalent for cannabis. I like to see that happen. And that will be the next battle for the industry. And if we're worried about how many retail stores are on Queen Street, for example, I'd like to see the controversy what happens when various cannabis consumption lounges downtown are, are able to open and what that's going to do.
0: Okay, let's talk a bit about that, uh, if we could, just uh, briefly, because that is uh, really interesting, because when it comes to cannabis consumption, a lounge, are we talking about uh, smoking cannabis and uh, indoors? And of course, uh, that is not permitted in uh, indoor public uh, settings. Uh, you know, we got rid of it a long time ago in uh, restaurants and bars. Yeah,
1: there's a lot to unpack there. So we're talking about smoking cannabis, which is currently about 80% of the total industry volume, but a lot of people don't smoke it. They drink it and they eat it. So, what will these cannabis lounges be? Will they they be a place where people smoke, and we'd have to change around a lot of the regulations around indoor smoking, or will they be a lounge where you eat your cannabis or you drink your cannabis? That's a very, very different experience, and also physiologically, um, it's very different to smoke it than it is to drink it and eat it. So the Various levels of government have to work through a lot of the implications of that decision. I think it's going to happen. It's happened in other jurisdictions, and there's been no major problems, but it will, you know, create a lot of, let's say, inconsistencies between different formats of stores and restaurants and bars.
0: All right. Something uh, certainly to keep our eye on and whether it's at lounges or cannabis uh, stores uh, right now. Can the market, do you think, Mitchell, can it uh, bear all of these uh, cannabis outlets that have been uh, opening up?
1: Uh, from a retail perspective, no. Um, what you have, for example, is in 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 uh, Toronto you have approximately 340 stores that are opened they tend to cluster in certain neighborhoods and those neighborhoods aren't dense enough and there aren't enough cannabis consumers to support all of those stores but by the same token you have other areas of Toronto where you have no stores and you have cities like Mississauga where there are no stores so what you what you tend to have is underrepresentation and overrepresentation um and that is driven off of You know, the economics of these stores and what's legally allowed and where traffic is. So at the end of the day, these things do work out, but they have to work out in concert with a variety of other factors, including other jurisdictions finally allowing it. If you don't, if Mississauga doesn't allow cannabis retail stores, then you're going to have a lot of stores across the street from the border serving the Mississauga market. And you're going to tend to see clustering there.
0: Well, that was my next question. Do you think eventually Mississauga will become a, uh, I guess a have instead of a have not city when it comes to a cannabis in, in pot shops? I mean, uh, is it as the popularity continues, maybe the stigma, stigma drops a little bit, uh, Mitchell, that uh, eventually uh, you are going to see uh, pot shops in a city like Mississauga and others that have so far opted out?
1: Jeff, I hope so. I mean, your, your connection of Uh, sort of a death valley for, for cannabis retail and stigma. I think it's very apt for Mississauga because in my personal opinion, there is a lot of stigma there. Now, having said all of that, um, I think eventually you will get it. And and why will you get it? Because where you don't have legal cannabis retail, you have a high level of illicit market or black market cannabis activity happening, whether it's an illegal storefront or illegal online access. And you have a lot of that in Mississauga right now. It's only for so long that the citizens, citizens there will tolerate that where you have a healthy and safe cannabis retail option. But the problem is, don't ask me when that's going to happen, because I don't know. But I think inevitably it has to happen.
0: All right. Mitchell Osaka. Uh, Mitchell, appreciate the conversation and the time as always. Thanks so much for this.
1: Thank you, Jeff. Be well.
0: You too. Mitchell Osak is the CEO of Quanta Consulting, a leading provider of strategy and operational consulting services to the Canadian cannabis and psychedelics industry. Right here on Global News Radio.